When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90 Min. I'm Scott Saunders, joined once again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe to our show on your preferred podcast provider. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU on Twitter. Rob, there's plenty of plenty to get through today. Um, I was kind of hoping that we could ride the wave of the weekend uh, after a, maybe there were some problems with it, but on the face of it, Ronaldo coming back, scoring twice at Old Trafford, the fans going wild, all this kind of stuff. I was hoping we could ride the wave of the weekend's result, but we planned to record on Wednesday after the Champions League returned. Um, and it's changed the tone a little bit, perhaps. Uh, a 2-1 defeat in Switzerland to, let's be honest, probably one of the worst sides in the competition. Uh, and it's never that simple with United, Rob, is it? So how, how are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm doing okay. Yeah, as you said, the tone of this we thought would start off today with the Ronaldo return against Newcastle. You know, the boys following the script. You win 4-1. There are still problems on the football pitch, but you can overlook them because everyone's really high on Cristiano being back in the United shirt. Um I felt kind of a bit conflicted after the Newcastle game because I thought, well, the young boys game could be difficult because you can see that there are things tactically and technically not right on the football pitch. And if something goes against you, like, say, you get your right back sent off, you could well be in trouble. And unfortunately, that script played out as well. So it was maybe a victory for young boys, but it looked like the old boy network at Manchester United, the same old problems that we've seen over maybe the last year or two. Um, and... Yeah, how do I feel about it? I'm a little bit may, you know, I'm kind of a bit like, well, there's things to sort out and there's big challenges ahead now for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because I think he's going to live and die by this final transfer window that he's just had. Uh, it's either going to work successfully in the next few months or he could well do a Frank Lampard, as I've, as I've described it. You know, you get the players you want, it doesn't work and the football club lose either faith in you or they decide that someone else could do the job better than you. So we're going to look into that defeat uh, probably in a bit of depth uh, on this podcast today. The reasons behind why it happened. Uh, we'll talk about Oli. We'll talk about Wan-Bissaka. We'll talk about just the, the, the tactical outset and the, the fact that United didn't really have a plan apart from defend against one of the weakest teams in the competition, which I think a lot of supporters you know, that's not going to please a lot of supporters with the signings United have made in the summer and the progress that they've made over the last few years with the squad. Um, we'll also look ahead to the trip to West Ham at the weekend towards the end of the podcast. We might do a little bit of a section on Cristiano as well because he scored three goals in two games and has shown, in a sense, uh, why they brought him back to the club. But let's be real. There are a lot more um, problems underneath the surface Um that Ronaldo will not solve. And I think we've we've addressed that in, in recent weeks. And I think 
a lot of United fans know that as well. It's just never too exciting to see it actually play out in front of your eyes. And, you know, in the circumstances of the Champions League group, we'll go here first. It is a defeat in a game that United should have won. Uh, there's no two ways about that. The circumstances are not ideal, but I don't think it's, it's, it's not the end of the world in the group. It's only the first game. That's probably three points that have been lost, but if United get their act together, they will be able to still make it out of this group. But, you know, that's, that's a big reminder. Ollie called it the highest level of the champ. Like this is the, this is football at the highest level in his post-match press conference. And while I agree that yes, the champions league is the highest level. I mean, that's not a game at the highest level. Is it Rob? No. And if young boys were an English team, young boys would be in the championship. So let's get real about these things. Now, the Champions League itself is the highest level. Of course, it's the biggest club competition in the world. It's one of those competitions where, you know, the whole planet is watching it every match. Every Manchester United fans are watching it. And you expect a certain level of quality, whether it be in the tactics or the performance itself. Of course, the result is all important. But if you lose your first game, that's better to lose that match than maybe some games later on down the line. We saw last year with the Champions League that United started really well in it, fell away and suddenly are in the Europa League. So that's a problem. But I think when you look at this year, you know, you look at the game against young boys, you know, I, I, I put out that, the kind of horrible little stat that young boys starting 11 cost less to assemble than Jaden Sancho cost. Now, they're kind of a little bit, that's a little bit of a hot take. You know, you look at that and it doesn't really mean a lot, but it does mean something. You know, this is a team of average players who basically dominated you because you lost your right back to a red card. That shouldn't happen. You know, we should not be at that stage now already in the season where we are worried about maybe the cohesion of the football team on the pitch in maybe poor scenarios. So I, I think, you know, you look at it, you know, Ole... I think Ole came through the excuse book last night. He talked a little bit about the synthetic pitch, which is not particularly nice to play on. But these guys are used to playing on synthetic pitches. not a problem. They have them at Carrington. And the, the, the home crowd you know, had a huge effect, I think, on young boys themselves to push them forward. But the fact that Manchester United with Ronaldo, with Pogba, with uh, Bruno Fernandes and the rest of the cast of Manchester United players couldn't keep the ball, couldn't attack, couldn't get through midfield, couldn't do the basics, had two shots the whole night, only one from open play, which of course they scored from. That is a worrying set of circumstances. And that is something that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who earns good money with his new contract, he's going to have to prove that he's the manager to get the most out of these players. I was quite disappointed with the, the entire evening. I know it, the result um, is the main story here, but even when United had 11 men on the pitch and they did take the lead, it, I'm sure you've seen, I'm sure you've heard about and seen the game uh, if you're listening, but United took the lead after around 12 minutes, I think with a clever pass from Bruno to Cristiano Ronaldo, who um, I don't think there's too many other players who'd have scored that goal in the team. Uh, we'll talk about Ronaldo later on, but the, the red card did seem to change United's approach, but even with 11 men, I don't really think they were doing enough. And it was, it was quite a concern really to see Diogo Dallo on for, um, to replace Juan Basaka is, yeah, you'd expect that. I was kind of disappointed they ended up taking off Sancho because he's a type of player who can carry 
um, and offer that kind of outlet to get United up the pitch, whereas they left on Bruno and Pogba and Ronaldo, and that's not really too much of a counter-attacking threat to take you up the pitch. United played into young boys' hands. I think they, you know, it was for about 60 minutes of the 90, to be honest, where they just decided, no, we're just going to sit in, let you have the ball. And every wave of attack that young boys had, you know, the ball would get get cleared. And I'm seeing United players and, and the manager saying, I thought we defended quite well. I'm sorry, but you don't really want to see United defending quite well, even with 10 men for 90 minutes against a team like Young Boys, who, as you say, coached by, uh, what's his name, David David Wagner. And, <laughs> you know, they're just, they're planets, planets apart from United. And any other team in the competition who's expected to go deep into it would not have reacted like that. And it's quite, it's quite a concern to see that United just thought, oh no, we're just going to have to try and just scrape a 1-0 win here or a draw in the circumstances is not that bad a result. And it wouldn't have been, but I think it's the message that is sent out for the fans who are watching and that kind of that kind of thing. It's not enough, is it? I mean, what did what did you make of it, Rob? Like, was it from the moment that Wambasaka was sent off? Did you think something changed, or were you concerned with how the performance was for the entire night? I think it that you know the changing point, no doubt, in terms of demeanour and maybe intention was was the red card. So I think before that, you're one nil up. You maybe not having maybe the ball retention that you want, maybe not the shots on goal that you want, but you're 1-0 up in the Champions League, you're comfortable. And I think that the the red card spooked Ole because I think all of his decisions from there on were based around having 10 men. Now, I agree with everything that you just said there, certainly in the sense that what I thought, you know, in reflection this morning was that Manchester City had gone down to 10 men in that game. Would Manchester City have done something similar tactically? If Liverpool had gone down to 10 men against young boys away from home in Switzerland, would Liverpool have done the same thing? Well, there's certainly a you know narrative where you could say, well, do you know what? You need to be a little bit more conservative. You need to be a little bit more tighter. But United went from having uh, a kind of game plan in the 35th minute to ripping that game plan up, to bringing off Jadon Sancho, because obviously Sancho's a, a big part of your future expectation of what you want to do as a team. And then the, all of the decisions all the way through from halftime through to full time were just about firefighting. And I think if you're in that mindset, it's very difficult for your players to work their way out of it, you know, to actually start playing good football, because it's all about trying to stop the opponent, an opponent that costs less than the guy you substituted in the 35th minute, the whole opponent. So I don't feel good about that. I kind of feel that that Ole can't get spooked in those moments. You know, if he's the guy to lead this club forward over the next year, two, three, four, win a championship, win trophies. These are these kind of tests where managers are stretched and maybe their intellectual outlook on the game is tested. And yesterday, Ole, you know, lost Wambasaka, who, let's be honest, has not started the season particularly well. He could have gone immediately to say three at the back to preserve his starting 11, to keep Sancho on the pitch, to get to half time, to then work it out. But he didn't do that. He kind of made a quick change. He then made changes at half time, which went very, very negative, very defensive. And then in the second half, he pulls Bruno early. He pulls Ronaldo early. Not so much of a surprise, maybe. But, you know, even in the last minute, you've got Fred coming off for Anthony Martial. I don't know what that set of tactics and decisions mean. I look at that and I think that doesn't make any sense. And what happens? 
Jesse Lingard is in a defensive position when he turns on the ball and tries to put it back to De Gea. They get a chance, they score, it's 2-1, you lose the game. That's not Jesse Lingard's fault. That is the manager putting Jesse Lingard in that position to make that mistake. So, you know, people have gone off at Lingard today and that's obvious because that's what Twitter does. And that's what social media does. It, there's no surprise now. I'm sure Jesse expects all the pelters for it. You know, it's his mistake. He should not be in that position. Manchester United should not be playing that kind of football <laughs> in the deep into stoppage time, trying to save a game against a team that are basically not better than Norwich City. Let's, uh, let's let's take the night as it was. I mean, we'll talk. I mentioned we'll talk about Ronaldo a little bit later on, but you touched on Wan Bissaka there, who hasn't had a great start to the season. In the circumstances of his red card, I mean, it's it's been pointed out plenty. His relatively poor first touches mean has meant he's had to make a tackle and stretch for one, and it's ended ended up getting him sent off. Um. United were in the market for somebody like a Kieran Trippier in the summer. Obviously, didn't make the move for him, and Diogo Dallo has been stuck by. Um, but it seems like Wan Bissaka is by far and away first choice, and Dallo is going to be the rotation option if he needs a rest or whatever. Ended up coming on yesterday. But is there, there's reason to be concerned about Wan Bissaka. Do you feel like there's a potential weak link there? Because there's obvious flaws to his game. Um, and if he ever if he ever realized that he needed to kind of improve his first touch and the way he retains the ball and, and passes it and, and his crossing and all this kind of stuff, you know, that there was there was a, a proper exclamation mark on the point that you actually need to really work on this kind of stuff now because it's gonna cost you a place in the team with if that kind of thing happens and it might even cost the team results. So what do you make of his performances so far this season? He's obviously a work in progress, but have we seen enough? Well, I think when your team's in development, so let's let's take the last two years just to kind of start off that. You know, when you are a work in progress as a as a unit, you can make the excuses with with a you know validation. You can say, well, you know, we got young players, we're trying things, we're trying to get to a, a certain point. We are not at that point anymore. This team is not the finished article, but you've just gone and bought three players that are supposed to get you close to being a finished article. So that's the expectation. So everyone has to go with that. Wambasaka, in the kind of few games that we've seen him this season and through preseason now to this point, has looked way off the boil, way off the boil, nowhere near the standard that maybe he was producing his best last season. He's had some significant off the pitch issues um with uh, a court case that he's he's just faced and that's been done and that's been completed and you can see that he looks like a guy who is mentally drained and is having trouble putting together his parts of his game now as you alluded there united did want kieran trippier in the last week of the transfer window before uh, ronaldo was signed going into that period united were making moves to bring kieran trippier to the football club because they desperately wanted a right back and the feeling was then was, do United really need a fullback now? Is this really what United need to spend £30 million on? And the answer to that is now being kind of put to us really quite clear and simple. And the answer to that is yes, because United need a right back now. United need to pull Aaron Wambasaka out the firing line. He needs to go and sit on the bench and sort himself out in the same way that last year, 
Mason Greenwood needed that. He needed some time out. He needed to be pulled out. He needed to kind of get his head straight. He had off the pitch issues. There was stuff happening. And that's the right thing to do. That's a human thing to do. Aaron Wambasaka is not fit to start for Manchester United at the moment. Now, that decision he made last night was a, a poor one. You know, you give the, the referee something to decide. It's a little bit over the top in terms of how he puts in the tackle. Not the worst thing you've ever seen, but it is red. It's dangerous. And he then immediately disadvantages the team. But I think United are now going to have to gamble on Joga Delo. I think you're going to have to give Delo some games. You're going to have to say, you know, you've got West Ham coming up. And obviously, we'll talk about that game um, at, towards the end of the show. But you need other options. You know, United have got a plan A for games. They don't have a plan B. And plan C is not even on, on the cards at the moment. So you see last night that when United have problems, they just do not have options. And I think, again, that goes back to the manager. I think he has to decide these things. Uh, he definitely wanted Trippier at the football club. And I think if Trippier was at Manchester United now, he would be first choice. And that that's alarming because you're talking about your your great hope at right back with Aaron Wambasaka that you need progress, you need consistency, you need to see an improvement. I've not seen him cross a ball yet, hardly into the box. You know, he's got he's got Ronaldo this way, Matt. He's not crossing the ball. And it's like, what are you doing? So there are things that are very simple that need to be corrected. But I think the first decision you probably need to make is to who starts at right back. And I don't think it could be Aaron Wambasaka in the next match. Strong one. He's not going to be obviously starting in the next uh, Champions League game to be suspended. Um, I'm not entirely sure how long that will be for, whether it's one or th- I think it might be one game, actually. Um, I should probably be better researched than that. I think it's a difference in the Champions League. But um, let's just focus a little bit on the players who were hooked or substituted. Mm. Um, the substitutions, I think we've, we've spoken about it. Jaden Sancho coming off. Um, you know, I I would have preferred to keep him on. I I thought he was he's coming for a lot of criticism. Actually, um, I don't know if you've spent too much time on your social media channels uh, since the game or since he was hooked. It is Twitter. It is a a awful place to be sometimes. Um, but he's coming in for some criticism because he's not maybe delivering. He isn't really looking up to speed. He's he's had less than four games. You know, um, so if you are. I want to get your opinion on this, Rob, but if from from my perspective, if you are looking at Jaden Sancho and thinking, wow, he's not all he's cracked up to be, is he, or something like that, then just give him a bit of time. Just give him a bit of patience because you can see, even when he picks up the ball, the way just the way he gets the ball out of his feet and carries it forward is such a difference. Um, and it's not clicked for him yet, but give him some time. <laughs> he's, he's coming into a different league. He's not really, he's not played in the Premier League before. Um, and I thought there were some decent-ish moments. Yes, they became for some criticism from other other people. Um, what did you make of him uh, in the short period he was on the pitch? I think he's clearly having some teething issues, no doubt about it. Um, he's had an injury as well from from his England duty that he's, he's getting over. It's only a knock, but that is still a, a valid point. And I think we can apply some of the science that we just talked about there about Wambasaka. So Wambasaka has been in the team a couple of years. He is a young player and you're trying to develop him, but you're looking for more over from a, say, two-year period to where we are today. As you highlighted, Jaden Sancho has been in the team for about four minutes. So it's a very, very small sample size. You can't really say too much about it. What I will say is this, is that I don't think that in these opening games that Ole has showed he knows how to use him. So the best moments for me 
for, for Jaden were the first half against Newcastle when United were getting the ball to him in dangerous areas in the channel, in the left channel, where he could go at the player, his, his defender, he could go outside or he could go inside. So that's what Jaden Sancho's game is about. That's, that's, that's all he wants to do. That's what he's good at. You know, that's what he's sure that at Dortmund, you know, he's an elite attacking talent when you give him the ball on the edge of the, the final third. He's there to create, create goals, score goals. With United, he's played really, really wide, almost as a traditional winger at times, getting the ball off the fullback, about three-yard pass, and has four players in front of him. That's really, really difficult for a player that maybe has just been carrying an injury to be able to do anything technically that's, you know, proficient, that actually makes you think, well, you know, here's this guy who's come in for over £70 million. He's supposed to be uh, kind of on the cusp of a world-class attacking talent, and he's not doing anything. But I want to see Jaden Sancho in the right areas. So I think it was quite key to see that when United went down to 10 men after 35 minutes, Ole's decision-making was, I'm going to pull Jaden Sancho and not I'm going to pull Cristiano Ronaldo. Because I think technically and tactically, the right thing to do would have been to pull your number nine at that point. And maybe rather than go... I don't know. Like you're, you're trying to re rejig your shape and make sure that you've got coverage at the back. You could have gone to three at the back immediately with Luke Shaw and the two centre backs that know each other in that system because they've played it before. And you could have gone almost like three five one very quickly. You could have you could have done that and you could have kept Sancho on the pitch. You could have had a counter attacking threat. You could have had your pace. What what Ale did was he took all the pace out of the team, all the trickery, all the kind of uh, potential to go and score another goal, and he just went full-on Mourinho so that's not good that's not a good sign to me because you're right I think with Jaden he he needs faith you know and I don't think he'll feel bad that he got pulled last night because I think it's a it is a tactical decision it's certainly not one based on him uh, and I think you have to look at other things like the starting 11 I really liked it you know I liked how he set that up Ole and then at halftime Van der Beek who'd had I think a decent first half then gets hooked and it, it, it just wasn't needed. It just wasn't needed at those moments. It felt like panic. And then United tried three different systems and none of them worked. And then at the end of the game, you give the ball away and you lose. So I think for Jaden, there's no worry for me. You know, I think he's going to be a stellar player for Manchester United. But this manager needs to find a way to play him. And in the first few games of the season, there's certainly a kind of, I think, uh, what I would call a writer's block in my industry. Of, uh, of seeing what Ole is trying to do, but actually getting nowhere near it. Jaded himself is young. He'll come good. I think United fans need to have faith in him. There's no point throwing him under the bus at this stage. But tactically, United have got to find a way to make Jaden Sancho be Jaden Sancho. You touched on Donny there, and we spoke about him last week, and he was going to be the player I came to next. But Sancho and Donny were the two players who were hooked off first. Pogba, Bruno, Ronaldo left on. From my side, do you think there's any status involved in that? Do you think it was more of a status call, as in Bruno, Pogba, Ronaldo, other, you know, the, the probably elder statesmen of the squad, the most experienced players? Do you think any of that was involved in Ollie's decision? And he thought maybe, oh, Jaden's new to the team. He's not really uh, too involved at the moment. Donny is the kind of easy target that I can take out. Do you think there was any of that involved? Yeah, totally. 100%. You know, and I, I think for, for Ole, you know, his team selections through the whole time since his, he started his Manchester United tenure have been based on trust. 
So he plays players he trusts. You know, he very rarely kind of gambles. And when he does gamble, it's normally on one position. So I think last night, the gamble, of course, was the double pivot. So what do you do? You bring in Donny van der Beek. You know, you've been kind of threatening to play him, but haven't given him any kind of minutes yet. He came on against Newcastle. He ended up playing number 10 for all of five minutes. And, you know, you're not showing the world that you trust this guy, but you start him in a Champions League match. And I think actually, you know, bar the first five minutes where he looked a little bit shaky and out of position and a little bit like Donny van der Beek from 12 months ago, he managed things well. He got up the pitch. He looked more like a traditional number eight. He was getting up towards the edge of the box. That's what you want from Donny van der Beek. Unfortunately, you lose your fullback and Ole then rips up the plan straight away. So that's really difficult for the team. Donny van der Beek, I think, showed enough in that 45 minutes that maybe he should be banging on the manager's door saying, I want to start matches now. You know, I, I gave you 45 minutes there. Yes, we lost a player. So you changed it and you hooked me. That happens. But OK, I want to play more minutes. I do think that he did see stuck with Pogba. Pogba played a more defensive role. And as we saw, that Paul Pogba is just not very good in defensive scenarios. He can do it, but he's not great at it. And he went with Bruno and Ronaldo. That's no surprise. But then with 15 minutes to go, he kind of bottled it. You know, he kind of thought, I've got a game coming up against West Ham. These boys are going to start. I'm going to pull them. This is still a game you need to win, Scott. You know, it's a Champions League. You still need a point or three out of this. And they got zero. And I think they got zero through their decision making. And that, unfortunately, is on the manager's shoulders. Yeah, um, it's probably time to talk about him. Uh, he can't afford many of these, can he? Now that performance last night was was not was not good. I know he's just signed a new contract. Um, perhaps that doesn't mean too much in the grand scheme of things. Maybe there's a difference between what fans are expecting and maybe what the Glazers will expect. If he gets top four, will he have done enough each season? We'll wait and see. But for sure, I mean, United have made three really good signings in the in the most recent transfer window. They have a squad there that is capable of improvement on last season. Whether that takes them to the title, you know, um, there's obviously big questions there. I think when when Ali was appointed um, or in the, in the first year of his appointment, when I could see the way it was going, I always kind of said to myself, I think Ali will do well for the team and kind of remodeling the club and getting the kind of right attitude back in there. But I feel like he just might not have that extra bit of quality to take United to the final step. He's not going to be able to afford many, many performances like that. Um, and especially defeats. I think he probably could have saved himself a lot of pressure with the, if they'd have held on for a one, one, but you know, continue performances like that. And the pressure would have mounted anyway. So Rob, I mean, what, what does he have to do? What, what's, what's next? Is it West Ham, West Ham are coming up on Sunday. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit more, um, but he's made a lot of errors last night. He can't afford too much of that in the future. What has he got to do now to make sure it doesn't happen again? He's got to get his team playing football. It's as basic as that. You know, in these opening matches, what we've seen is that United have got really good at managing results. And that's a, that's a key component of success. You know, you want to win football matches, even when you play badly. I always say this, you know, you can play badly in the game, but you get three points. If you get three points, everything is stellar. No one moans at you. No one kind of gives you the evils. I don't think United, bar the first game against Leeds United, have played anything like good football in inverted commas. I really don't. I, I, I'm seeing stuff that 
that I would expect to have seen a year ago or two years ago, and I would have understood it more and been more tolerant and more patient with it then. But I'm looking at it now from a from both a say football journalist point of view and as a football fan of Manchester United, and I have a higher expectation, and I believe that that is warranted. So if Ole starts making mistakes that he was making 12 months ago or two years ago, he is going to go the way that Frank Lampard did at Chelsea. You know, and this is what I said before. If Frank Lampard, in the year that he got sacked, started the year off as top of the Premier League, Chelsea started well, they were at the top, his tactics looked really progressive, they were entertaining, they scored goals, and everyone was like, well done, Frank, pat on the back. By December, Frank Lampard was on his way out of the football club. So that's how quickly things can change. And I think for Ole, he is tap dancing in that arena at the moment, because I think also United fans have this opinion that obviously the Glazers obviously only want top four. I think that's a premise that all of the top clubs in the Premier League operate on. They want top four for their finances. That's not a uniquely Manchester United thing. But of course, other teams are in better positions to win, a la, say, Manchester City. But United have just gone and spent a ton of money in terms of their wage bill to get these three guys into the football club, Sancho, Varane, Ronaldo. The expectation isn't top four from the Glazers. The expectation is title challenge because that's the next stage of developing their financial project. Ole is on a good contract, but not one that the Glazers couldn't afford to bin in a heartbeat. And it's about who is available. Well, there's a guy called Zinedine Zidane who's available. You know, there are other people who you could go and get that might take the team to another level. But this is where Ole needs to prove it. And I keep saying the same thing. It's the same with Mourinho in the final year. You know, it was about the proof is in the pudding, what you see. And we're not seeing what we want to see just yet. It's very early days. Of course, we might get the West Ham game. United play fantastically against a team who are maybe a genuine top six, top eight team. And everyone's happy again. Ronaldo scores four goals and United win 8-2. And no one's talking about what we're talking about now. But I don't feel that. I don't feel that kind of optimism because these are very basic things, Scott, that need to be sorted out on the training ground because they are very reflective of what you see in football matches. Um, I, I think for Ole, it's it's all there for him to prove. To his credit, in the last 12 months and 24 months, I think he's done that. I think when questions have been asked of him, he's found an answer and United have gone on and improved and all of that. But this is a different scenario. He's now got three top players that he needs to integrate. Varane, I think is an easy integration. I think Ronaldo is relatively easy, but he's got to get more out of Sancho. He's got to play Sancho in good areas that Sancho can show what he does and what he is. And we're not seeing that either. So uh, I think it's a, as I said, no knee jerking, no kind of throwing people under buses and all of this, but Ole is putting himself at risk and he's got to find more than his plan A of four-two-three-one, and that's the way I win football matches. He's got to be able to play different systems in different scenarios and show that he's a tactician. So you mentioned the Rafa Varane and, and Ronaldo. We've spoken about Sancho already, but you were there at Old Trafford uh, on Saturday. Mm. I w- did actually want to talk to you about this, to be honest, but it's probably <laughs> not the right. It's not the right time now because things have changed a little bit, but. Varane, I think, has been quite impressive um, so far. Um, and what have you made of Cristiano as well? Because he's he's come in, he scored within, I forget forget how long it was now, half an hour into the Newcastle game. He scored a tap-in that maybe there's not too many players in the United squads of recent years that even have the ability to think that way. 
so he has added that extra bit of quality in the final third. Um, he's still got that pace to be able to burn a defender um, for his second goal with that, you know, it went through the keeper's legs at the end of the day against Newcastle. Um, maybe other keepers would have saved it, but it's still, Ronaldo knows where the goal is. And I think the goal against uh, Young Boys as well, the fact that Bruno knew that he'd be able to find somebody like Ronaldo in that position uh, out of nothing, essentially, does add a little bit extra to United's attack. But, and I think we might discuss this off pod, but I think I probably would have kept Ronaldo on in the circumstances last night because I just, I just saw that United were really not piecing anything together as, as we've addressed there. But some, somebody like Ronaldo would be in the team to get something out of nothing. And I feel like that's the kind of player that he is. And that's the kind of player that United will need at certain occasions. And it'll, it'll work sometimes. It won't work other times. But um, I, was, I was a little bit surprised to see him go, but I understand the reasons why. Uh, what have you made of Ronaldo so far? Because Old Trafford was uh, full of energy on Saturday. Uh, I think last night's defeat was a little bit of a kick in the backside to say, hey, remember, it's not all hunky-dory. It's, um, it's not all glory. There's still issues to be addressed here. But what, if, what have you thought of Ronaldo's first two games? Look, Ronaldo does what Ronaldo does. This is what he is. You know, he's a goal scorer. He's cold-blooded killer in those scenarios and you're right the tapping was great against Newcastle because we don't have a player that does that you know you might have said Cavani might have got on the end of it but certainly when you look at United's players in the forward positions is that I, I can't remember the last time United scored a tapping maybe since Ibrahimovic being at the club or something well, Cav- like Cavani that. Cavani might have done that but he's not fit all the time so that's right a different thing you know yeah, yeah, and, and exactly. And Cavani, of course, I, I think is one of your backups, and that's where where you kind of look at it. Ronaldo is going to be a starter. You said there that you might have kept Ronaldo on the pitch, as I kind of alluded to before. I think in that in that systematic question, when you've lost a player and you're trying to obviously shore up the the space, and you're trying to make sure that that you, maybe you're playing slightly deeper and you're playing more of a low block. I think you pull your striker in that system, especially when you've got someone like Bruno Fernandes on the pitch. So you pull the striker, you tell Bruno Fernandes that he's playing a false nine, that he's got to kind of drop into midfield, and you effectively play with no striker. So that would have been, I think, the smart thing to do from that from that being going forward onwards. And I think you could have waited till half time to even make that decision to just kind of rejig stuff around and look at it a little bit more tactically. I think for Ronaldo, you know, he's going to start pretty much, I think, every game this season. And even if United don't win the title, United might come second, third, fourth, or God forbid, fifth. Ronaldo's still going to score 20 to 30 goals. doesn't matter. doesn't matter how well United do. And I think this is where, you know, I talk about the crossroads of United this season. People think that Ronaldo coming to the football club or some fans, what I call the Viva Ronaldos, this is what I've kind of tagged them as now. They think that, that Ronaldo coming back to United is the final piece, the missing link. I don't believe that. I think no matter what United do this year, good or bad, Ronaldo will score lots of goals. So United could be horrendous this year. Come fifth, come sixth, Ronaldo will get 30 goals. He will do. There's no doubt about that. Now you want goals, you need a goal scorer, and that's why bringing him to the football club is a good idea. But it's the other bits. You've got to kind of make it work. The best bit of last night, Scott, is what you just said there, was that Bruno found him at that back post, because one of the big key questions about Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo is obviously the Portugal question. And that is that Bruno gets hooked after 60 minutes in every international game because there are issues in the chemistry between Bruno and Ronaldo at the top end of the pitch. 
And last night showed that maybe there won't be long term those chemistry issues because Bruno got his head up and he swung it towards the back post and Ronaldo read it and that shows chemistry. But that was early in the match. And then after that, we saw nothing. <laughs> so, you know, we need to see this now on a consistent week by week basis. I think we saw Bruno play more as a number 10 last night rather than this faux number eight roaming in and out of position, being too far away from the number nine. That hurts Ronaldo's game. And that's what we have to see tactically is that those two go and do the work at the top end of the pitch because they're, they're the star talent. You know, you've got great talent in those areas like Greenwood, Rashford will come back. We talked about Sancho already, but you have to find a way week to week to week to week to week to beat every team in front of you. And that is what I maybe worry about. I'm going to talk about West Ham and, you know, West Ham are the kind of team that even though they've lost their striker in Antonio, you know, Antonio has been a, an incredible mainstay for them in the last 12 months that they still might cause United a lot of problems because it's United's issues through the midfield that remain the big question. Yeah, I've been to a few trips to West Ham uh, that United have had in recent years. And if memory serves, they haven't been too pleasant. Uh, <laughs> I know that Mikel Antonio being out might make a difference to them, but they're a really solid team. You know, it's, it's David not an Moyes. easy game. Yeah, David Moyes is going to look at this United team and he's going to say, I can find holes in this because that's the kind of functional manager he is. He will overload certain parts of the pitch and he will make life hard for United and he'll make United question themselves. And that's how you beat Manchester United, I think. You know, as you kind of make them beat themselves. So Moyes, that worries me because I know that he's that kind of coach. I don't think he's a fantastic tactician. You know, he's not He's not Pep, he's not Klopp. But he will look at that and he'll think, I can look at that midfield and I can hurt them in maybe ways of just overloading rather than being, say, tactically brilliant. And that, I, I do worry about that. There is, uh, I don't know the exact condition of Scott McTominay, but I was suggesting if he's in any way near ready to play, I think we could probably see the, the return of McFred this weekend. If he's got one leg and he can hop on it, <laughs> he starts. You know, And this is another kind of thing I keep saying about McFred and the double pivot, is that it's so obvious, especially in these opening games, why McTominay starts every match. And again, he's a, he's not a popular player. You know, he doesn't have United fans kind of lauding him in the same way that... Look, I think if McTominay was at West Ham, you know, we would be talking about him in the same way that they talk about Declan Rice. I, talk about, I'm absolutely you know, with you. Absolutely. You know, you know, when we talk about McTominay, he'd be, he'd be worth 60, 70 million pounds. Everyone would be talking about his engine and how he gets about and how he's a box-to-box, -box, how he can do certain defensive functions. And he scored eight goals last year. So, you know, all of these things. Whereas at Manchester United, he's kind of like a laboured individual. It's like, well, we don't want him in the team. But when he's not in the team, we're not very good. So, you know, who is better in the double pivot, Paul Pogba or Scott McTominay? The answer is Scott McTominay. Who's the better footballer? The answer is Paul Pogba. So th this is all about how you build a football team. And you're right. I think if, if Scott's um, fit, he has been training the last week. We know this. Um, yeah, I think he starts. I think it's the only way you counter the Declan Rice issue is that you kind of go like for like your two players there who are dogs of wars and you go and you say to them, go and have a little bit of a war in midfield. That might nullify stuff. But hey, if you've got Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes in your team at the other end, that's something that West Ham do not have at the other end of their team. So you have to lean on your strengths and mitigate your weaknesses. I think there's a lot of uh, supporters who kind of expecting that United progress their, their style of play. But like we say, and like we've said, United just have to get through these games and they have to just find a way to win each game. And I feel like we could probably see a Scott McTominay-Fred double pivot 
with regularity, if, if McTominay's fit, I really think that they've missed him. He brings a lot of energy to the team. Uh, and they've done it in big games as well. How do you how do you see United setting up this weekend? I know we've pretty much nailed on if, if McTominay's fit that he'll come back in, but maybe Paul Pogba out on the left side again, or is it Jesse Lingard? I, I know last night he didn't have uh, the finest moment with his back pass, but there was some, some encouraging signs against Newcastle. So the team seems kind of fixed apart from these wide positions, you'd think. How would you uh, expect United to approach this one? Well, like I said, Ole has a plan A or, you know, plan that that he likes to initiate for pretty much every match. But he doesn't really have a plan B. What we've seen in the early part of the season, United is going to carry on playing 4-2-3-1. They are just going to play it. I know fans don't like it. But we saw in the, the, maybe the first, say, two or three games that it's a transitional 4-2-3-1. So what do I mean by that? I mean that kind of on the ball, it becomes 4-3-3. You know, so United do push the pivot apart. So even last night, you saw... Donny van der Beek playing the double pivot, have those defensive duties, but was allowed to go. So that allows you to play a more progressive system. So I think that we'll, we'll see that at West Ham. I don't think we'll see anything different. We'll see how spooked Ole has been from this result against Young Boys because West Ham are a much better team than Young Boys. Let's put that on the table there. You know, West Ham will be able to do loads more things than Young Boys were. And yet Young Boys were able to expose United's weaknesses. I think United will play 4-2-3-1. I think you'll see Bruno playing behind Ronaldo. I think the manager kind of alluded to that anyway. He said that's why he hooked them off with 50 minutes ago because there's a big game coming up and they're going to start. And I think then the decision is what do you do maybe with Mason Greenwood? What do you do with um, with McTominay? And then, as you said, Paul Pogba. I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Pogba's the guy that starts on the bench this week just because he's played a lot of minutes. Um, there is still, I think, this feeling that that they want him to sign a contract that's all in front of him. And, you know, you just said there about the previous match that is there a hierarchy in place here? And I think there is, I think the big players all want to play all the time, but Ole has to find a way of rotating them without damaging results. So I wouldn't be surprised if Pogba's the guy that loses out and that you maybe say, say Mason starts on the right and you see Sancho start on the left again. Um, and I don't think systematically there's not a lot more to say about that because I don't think United have got a lot more to do. I don't think they've got stuff that is in the locker that we can say, well, today's the day you play three at the back. You know, I didn't look at that yesterday and think, oh, yeah, we're going to see Lindelof, Varane and Maguire in matches where United want to soak up pressure. You know, they played that system. They lost to young boys. So we're not going to see it in the Premier League anytime soon. It's a totally different world. Um, and I think that will be the starting thing. So I think it's Mason Greenwood, get him back in the team. I think, again, you get someone who is a, a hotshot. He's played brilliantly in the first month of the season. I get why kind of he wasn't part of the plans in the Champions League. But the key is Scott McTominay. Bring McTominay back in with Fred. Those two players, I think, are the first two names on the team sheet. And that's even when Ronaldo and Bruno are fit. Because those are the two that protect the defence and allow you to go and play at the top end of the pitch. United fans will hate me saying that. They'll say that I know nothing about football. That is the reality of where we are until the next transfer window. Until you can go and buy another midfielder, that is your midfield. Well, we did warn you in the first few weeks that we uh, we wouldn't go on the bandwagon and we would kind of tell it like it is or exactly how we feel and that might not be that popular at times. I, I bloody love Scott McTominay. I think, he, I think he's great. I think he could probably end up coming back in this weekend. We will see if he's fit. Um, but like you say, he back in training. He's back in training. And uh, they, they have missed him. There's, there's no two ways about it. They've missed him. So 
the system is pretty much set and it's just about Ollie trying to find the right pieces uh, to fit the right game. And United cannot afford another performance like that this weekend because you probably expect that if they did come out with a draw, it wouldn't be the worst result in the world given West Ham are uh, quite a decent team. But there's other teams who are their rivals who will go to this game and win it. So it's about what United are made of. Yeah, look, results are almost the most important thing. It's a results business. I know it's a cliche, but that's the absolute truth. You know, if you go to West Ham and you win and you play badly, it's okay. You can go to the training ground the following, you know, two days later after your rest and you can go and work on these things. But I think at this point of the season already, even though we're, we're, we're so early, we must see a performance. We must see acumen. We must see that this team understands that to play football, you've got to put it on the deck and you've got to keep the ball and you've got to do all the right things. Now, even in Newcastle, we beat them 4-1. The midfield spent the whole game just kind of moving the ball five yards forward. There was a stat that went out that Paul Pogba played the most progressive passes of all time from that area. I think it was 41 across the whole game. But progressive passes are five-yard pass forward. That that doesn't mean that's what you need in a game. So I don't particularly want to see that. I want to see something more fluid. Uh, and I think West Ham is a really tricky game. And it wouldn't be surprising, Scott, to see that United play maybe a little bit more defensively, a little bit more deeper, because you're going to a, a cauldron of a football stadium and it's it's a tough it's a tough sell, you know. And um, you know you might have your fans with you there, kind of cheering you on and kind of getting you to where you want to be, but. It, it, it's it, you've got to show that you know what you're doing. And at the moment, the manager's not quite showing that and the team are not quite showing that. And I think those two things are linked. There we have it, everyone. Uh, we'll wrap up there, I think. Uh, it's been... Let, let's, let's be fair. The, the wave of excitement and all that kind of stuff is over um, for now. It's back to reality because Manchester United have just lost to young boys in the Champions League. Not something we thought we'd be saying, but United never really make it that easy for themselves, do they? So um, thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this rather measured approach. I think it's measured. Rob, do you think measured is the right word? It's always got to be measured, Scott. And this is the thing. It's like it's not Ole in or Ole out, like we've said before. I don't think it's all of that. It's Ole prove yourself. And I think that's the same for every manager. I think that goes, you know, I've mentioned Frank Lampard three times now. And I think that, that is a really, really good comparison. A former club legend coming in with fans expecting that he's got carte blanche to just lose matches because he's a legend and it will be OK. And if you get top four, that's fine. I don't believe that. I think Ole signed a new deal and the provisor will be if you lose football matches, mate, you're gone. You know, there are other people who can do this job. So I, we, we are measured. We will always be measured. We will support the team. We will, you know, we're football fans at the end of the day. We love Manchester United and we want to see them win. But they've got to start playing some football and we've not quite seen it yet. No shouting and screaming coming from us, I don't think. But uh, remember to subscribe to our show on your preferred podcast provider. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Pods uh, and follow us on Twitter as well. I'm at underscore Scott Saunders and Rob is at underscore Rob underscore B. And we're on Twitter um, for the podcast as well at PromiselandMU. We will see you next week. Hopefully uh, the discussion Hopefully everything's fixed, Rob. Hopefully we've seen a magical fix uh, in the next 90 minutes that United play at West Ham. But thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back soon and have a great week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.